Don't touch that dial. You're tuned in to the Dread Podcast Network. Whoa. Where are we? I don't, I don't know. Uh, why are you pixelated? I don't know. I just woke up this way. What are these weird blocks? Are, are we supposed to do something to them? I don't know. Um, try, try touching it. Oh, oh God, I broke it. Uh, wait, is, wait, wait a minute. Is that a mushroom? Y- y- grab it. Why are you so small? Small? Why, why did you grow? Why are we in this crazy world? It's episode 73. Video games are terrifying. I am the writing on the wall, the whisper in the classroom. I'm Marjorie Green, and I approve this message to save America, stop socialism, and stop China. Stay the fire we honor thee from life to desert. Doubters, the doomsters, the gloomsters, they are going to get it wrong. Where are you going to go? Where are you going to run? Where are you going to hide? Nowhere. Because there's no one like you left. What do we want? Justice! When do we want it? Let's go! What are you waiting for, huh? What are you waiting for? I want you to know that the movement we started is only just beginning. Sometimes that is better. Come on in. It's almost another world here in the video arcades of America. A billion games are played every month, a quarter each for escape, which can last a long time if you're skilled. Pitch yourself against the computer. Millions, mostly teenagers, have. So many, in fact, that psychologists are beginning to worry that some youths are becoming spaced out on the space games. Welcome to another episode a Friday the 13th horror podcast. My name is Maddie. And my name is Andrew. And if this is your first time joining us at Friday the 13th Horror Podcast, TM, um, this is a podcast all about horror. Horror in real life and horror in the movies. Um, we're glad to have you. Um, this episode, we are talking about video games. We're getting and how, all your bleeps and bloops in there. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Your, your, your zeeb zeebs and zoob zoobs. Um, it's not really a video game sound, but in my head it is. Um, and that's really it. So, um, Andrew, we're back for our 73rd episode. Can you believe it? You know, as the time moves on, I finally think I'm grasping the concept. Yeah, it, it is kind of funny. We, we, we Early on in the podcast, we used to just talk about this all the time. Now I think people are probably like, yeah, you guys. We been, get it. You're still here. Blah, been, blah, blah. You've been doing a podcast for four years. We, we get it now. Um, anywho, uh, good stuff in store for this episode. We're happy to be back with you. Um, we're recording this on the 13th of March. It is the 13th. March. Happy St. Patrick's Day to you and yours. Yes. This will come out the day after. It will. Yeah. Um, Andrew just had his St. Patrick's Day in Chicago. Chicago always does the weekend before the real St. Patrick's Day. And I'm here in Dublin awaiting the real St. Patrick's Day on the 17th. 
which is sure to be a very big shit show in this country because it's the first one that we've been able to have in two years. So it's going to be a little crazy. I'm People are going to go crazy. Going to get cray cray. Um, we're going to start off with a few things in our certified terrifying corner. Andrew, um, the first one is, guess what? Russia is still at war with Ukraine. Um, it is god-awful. Uh, it's only getting worse. Um Listen, it's been going on for just over two weeks now. Um, one of the really bad things that happened recently was the bombing of a maternity hospital. If you can even imagine the depravity that you would have to have in mind to bomb a hospital that is for mothers bearing children, that is what Russia did. Um, there's a lot of conjecture that what's about to happen is that Russia might start using chemical weapons and that they may uh, even go so far as to use tactical nuclear weapons. Um, if that's the case, don't know that the rest of the world can can keep saying that they're not going to get involved. Um, I don't know. There's some bad stuff ahead with this. It's not fun. It's not fun. <laughs> it's it's uh, pretty awful. And, uh, you know, it is, uh, it, it, you know, it's kind of your next topic, but it's really bad here in America that all people wor- are worrying about is the price of gas going up and people are dying everywhere. <laughs> yeah. it's, and it's all we can talk about. So whatever. That's uh, the personal opinion. Beep, beep, bloop, bloop. Gotta yeah. go. <laughs> Next terrifying thing is indeed that inflation. Inflation is on the rise all around the world. Um, I can tell you that here in Ireland, that is showing itself in energy prices. Um, The cost of energy is just truly god-awful. I have never paid so much for electric before. I, I live in an apartment where there is no gas, so everything is run by electric, which is pretty common here. Um, in in like in like new places, so you don't. Have uh, to- it's probably where we're going. So. Yeah, I mean, there's there's no like gas oven. Like I, I've I've got a boiler in my apartment, but there's no like gas that that's a price an immersion kind of thing. Um, and electric is ridiculously expensive. I know it's the same over there too right now. Um, and of course, gas is on the rise. Um, I I believe gas was in L.A. last week. It was like like seven dollars a gallon somewhere around there. In Chicago, it's around four fifty five dollars. I heard. Yeah, yeah, that sounds about right. Somewhere in there, um, you know. Look, that's that's the way of it. The, the, you know, the one thing that I would say is like, I think that there's, I think that there's some fibbing going on. You know, like, look, America gets one percent of its oil from Russia, right? Um, not enough to raise the gas prices, my friends. I'm sorry, that's not actually how it works. What I think is that the uh, oil companies, um, maybe you should stop raking in so much profit and then it wouldn't cost so fucking much. It's called price gouging. Look it up. Yep. (laughs) Fucking exactly. And it just boggles my mind how people don't get that. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. It's always something to... Listen, whatever's in the headlines is what people are going to focus on. And it's been that way forever. And it will probably always be that way. And (sighs) unless you work in the industry, you're never going to question it. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Girl, uh your lips to God's ears, honey. Um, And finally, uh, yesterday was the 12th of March. Um, For a lot of Americans, it's not everywhere in the world, but for a lot of Americans, that was sort of the official start of the pandemic. 
It was a Thursday in 2020. It's when uh, most corporate offices got notices that they need to go home. Two weeks to slow the curve. Yep, that they would be gone for two weeks or that they would be gone through the end of that month. And look what happened. It turned out to be um, far, far deeper, far worse, and far, uh, far more terrifying than anyone thought it was going to be. Um, you know, I've really thought about it um, since since yesterday. I mean, we've, look, we've all been thinking about it for a while, but um, just thinking about it yesterday and thinking about how none of us really knew, like really, really knew what was ahead. Mm-hmm. And none of us really knew, like, none of us really knew, like, how how awful it was really going to become and how sick or how long and how long it would be and how sick some of our friends would become and how sick some of our family would become and how we would all lose people. And God, it just, it really, like last night I had, I had a moment last night um, going to bed and just really thinking about that, just how terrifyingly sad it was. And like, not to bring down the mood or anything, but you know, here we are two years later, like, isn't it just fucked up? I mean, yeah. think about how fucked up everything that we've been through has been. Yeah, I mean, the one you know positive light at the end of uh, end of this fucked up rainbow is that you know at least here in the Midwest we are experiencing record lows of COVID, sure. and it, it it is up to uh, in Chicago anyway. It's below one percent right now, which is fucking awesome that's great um it was one of the first weekends where we didn't have the indoor mask mandate which was weird but awesome i don't know like i don't i i had like a a funny conversation with a friend the other day where i was like um this was the first time i got my hair cut i that i saw the face of my hair right yeah i had never seen his face before like because I changed stylist in the pandemic. Yeah. Um, so it's just interesting. Um, hopefully this is something that we are looking at the end of, or at least the end of uh, the phase yeah, that sure. we were in. But we'll see. Uh, it only takes, I don't know, it only takes one variant or one weird thing to happen. <sighs> be right back to it. But for right now, we remain, remain positive and just try to live with a little bit of freedom because yeah. God knows we've been stuck up in our houses for two years. So. I'll, I'll, I'll tell you, my my personal light right now is that, um, you know, listeners know I got COVID in February right at the start, like February 1st, I, I got I got positive. I have, I, of course, I've been negative, you know, since. Um, but I have felt awful. I have felt, I've just felt like shit for, for a, a month and a half. And today, I actually feel good. And like, good. I I'm felt, happy I, for you. I felt so good today. I was just like, I went, you know, I went into town and met my friend Avery and I went to, you know, the, I went to a cathedral and it's like, you know, walked around. It's like, and it's a beautiful day here in Dublin. And I just, in my, in my heart, I was just like, God, it just feels so good to feel good right now. You know, like I don't feel like yeah. shit for once. I was just so happy about it. Um, anyways, folks, that's a certified terrifying corner. We will leave it there. We will move on to our main subject for this episode, which is all about video games. Now, um, Andrew, what video game systems do you own in your home? Currently, we have an Xbox One and a Nintendo Switch. What about you? I have a Nintendo Switch and I have an Oculus. Okay. So what is your relationship with uh, gaming? Like, did you play a lot of video games when you were younger? Like, what's your kind of like overall relationship with it? 
Yeah. So uh, growing up, um, uh, you know, we, we we were not the family that got everything all the time, right? And we weren't like we um, we we didn't grow up with a computer. We didn't grow up with cable. Um, we had to beg for a Nintendo. Oh my God, beg for the original NES, Nintendo Entertainment System. Um, finally got it when I was a kid. Uh, loved it. Um, you know, had the the usual games, Mario and all the rest. Um, uh, my brother, Michael, who will listen to this episode, his favorite was Tech Mobile, T-E-C-M-O-L. Mm-hmm. It was a football game. Um, and that was, that was good fun. We eventually got a Genesis um, I oh, loved, you fancy now. Oh, yeah. I love Genesis. Oh, my God. I love Sonic only the Hedgehog. Only the fancy people had Sega Genesis. That's Do you think? Really? <laughs> yeah. In my mind, that's what, I, what, oh, what wow. made you fancy is that if oh you God. had a Sega. Because, you know, at a certain point in the late 80s, essentially every kid would either have a Nintendo or would have a friend that had a Nintendo. Sure. Like on yeah. the block that you would kind of you know, correlate around and, you know, play games. Yeah, and stuff. sure, and, sure, sure. But if you had a Sega, oof, well, gosh, we, didn't I mean, even, we didn't even know. <laughs> it, it definitely took a while. I don't think we, we didn't have a Sega for a while, but then uh, I had a Nintendo 64 at some point. Golden uh, eye, baby. Oh my God. I Now, Nintendo 64, I that was the loved. That was like the game changer, I think, oh my God. for our generation. <laughs> so, you know, I, I remember it, I got it for Christmas, but first I got a PlayStation. And gosh, got, you got all those fancy oh, stuff. No, 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 no. no. So, so hear me out. Got the PlayStation <laughs> and was playing the PlayStation. And then I was like, Mom, I actually really don't like this. And so we took it back and I got the, the N64 instead. And that was when, you know, stores would like take shit back from you. Um, got the Nintendo 64. Uh, the first game I got for it was actually Wave Runner. And it was, mm, yeah, the, love um, that game. Uh, uh, it was the, the game on jet skis, right? Um, mm-hmm. and it was so fucking cool. My whole family loved that game. And then, you know, you, you get all the rest. And of course, then you like the line. secret level where they'd have oh, yeah. the dolphins, uh, the oh, dolphins totally. run next to you or whatever. Yeah, yeah. And then eventually GoldenEye came out. And I, when I got GoldenEye, that was game changer for me oh I for sure loved yeah. that game love 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 that game and then of that's, course, like what, that's like what made multi-gaming like made um like playing together oh like yeah that absolutely. was like the game that brought everybody like because if you think about it the nintendo 64 was the i i mean forgive me if i'm wrong maybe the dreamcast was but it was the first system where you could truly have four controllers all plugged in at once I, and I all think, play at the same time i think that you're correct i'm pretty sure I mean, there was um, adapters and stuff for SNES and whatnot, but yeah. the N64 came that way. Like, it was yes, meant for right. four-person play. Yeah. So, yeah, so I I had all of that stuff. That, and that was really the end of my video game buying. Um, you know, b- before all of that, though, I uh, one of my best friends growing up, uh, Kevin... He was like video game, like supreme, and so he had all the computer games, and he would like you know always invite me over, and we would like link up his computer to his mom's computer so we could oh, play gosh. all the games <laughs> together. And he had like um, like the systems that you would like buy from Japan, and he like got them shipped over, and he would like, oh god, and he like had the disc where it had like every single game on it. So like when I went over to Kevin's house, like it was like I had everything. I had it was like everything. Uber World, yeah. Oh my god! And we would just—I mean, we would like that. That's when like that was like my gamer, you know, era days. Yeah. Oh my god! Like we would just spend. We would just stay up all night playing video games, 
And like his mom had this big freezer downstairs with like pizzas and pizza rolls and you name it. So we would just like make a bunch of food like, like every weekend and like just eat and fucking like play games and like smoke cigarettes and like pretend that we weren't <laughs> like that. That's what we were doing. And like, and like drink his mom's alcohol sometimes. Sorry. Um, yeah. So like, you know, I've got a pretty like healthy relationship to them. I would say, you know, I was never yeah. like super addicted um, or like, I was never like super like, you know, let's play this at, at the expense of everything else. That was never my thing. I always had fun with them. And, you know, now I've got, you know, some fun things that are fun to play with. Like, you know, I love playing with my Switch. And my Oculus is actually surprisingly fucking cool as fuck. I love that thing. Um, but even those, like, you know, in my adult world, like, I just don't have enough time to play them. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's like, the unfortunate thing. I'm just like, I mean, like, even like playing Mario Kart, which I love, like, I just, I never have time to do it, you know? Yeah, I remember that we were uh, one of the first people on our block that got a Nintendo. Um, but we were very, like, um, the amount of games that we had were very limited. Like, sure. it was the game that it came with. And then, like, each of us, between me and my brother, got to pick a game, which I think we had Tetris and Kirby were probably... Oh, t- Tetris, yes. Um, and then I saved up all my money and got a Super Nintendo when that came out because I oh, was wow. obsessed with uh, Street Fighter 2. Yes. Um, oh, my God. Because that was in our local arcade. Um, and that was the first time that you could bring it home on a entertainment console. And so I became obsessed with that and then Mortal Kombat. And then I kind of got into the fighting game you know, that whole world. Um, and then it kind of just went from there. I, I've dipped my toes in in my adult life. There are certain games that I really like, like the Resident Evil series, the Tomb Raider series. Um, but I've stepped away a lot from video games because of what you said. There's just not a lot of time. There's no time. And it's hard to devote. And especially games nowadays are you're looking at like 20 plus 40 plus hours to complete yeah. a game. And it's just it, there's just no time. I, I mean, uh, you know, like, when, when I bought the Switch during the pandemic, one of the games that I bought with it was Zelda. Right. And it was like um, wh- whatever, like the, the cool newest one is. And I started playing it and I was like, oh, my God. There's a this lot is, here. <laughs> this is going to, like, things have changed. This is going to take me forever. And honestly, I just stopped playing it. Yeah. Well, speaking of things changing, we should probably go through a little bit of the history of video games. Sure. Um. So basically, I, I kind of segmented my video game uh, history into kind of four phases. So really, we have the 70s and 80s, where this was like, like the rise of the arcade. Yeah, sure. This is where you had to go to a place with quarters and play, you know, you could play video games. But there really wasn't a lot of at-home consoles at the time that came out. And I think I think Nintendo came out like late 80s, if I'm not well, mistaken. Uh, Atari would have been first. Yeah, 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 yeah. But I'm talking, listen, Atari is fine. <laughs> but <laughs> Nintendo. Oh, oh my goodness gracious. <laughs> um i am a nintendo loyalist sorry uh anyway uh and then the 90s really became the age of the home console this is where everyone and their mom had either a nintendo a super nintendo a sega genesis an atari any of the you know right sure the, the things 
And then like in the 2000s, it really became a fight for the gamers. So you were either an Xbox person or a PlayStation person or yeah, a Nintendo right, person. Right, right, sure. And you kind of had to like uh, buy your allegiance with them. I distinctly remember I worked for a company, uh, we'll just call it uh, Burst Buy. And I actually worked in the media department where we sold, uh, at the time, CDs, DVDs, and video games. Um, And I distinctly remember that there was like almost like a weird allegiance. Like if you were a PlayStation person, you only were in the PlayStation section. If you were a Nintendo person, you were only in the GameCube section. At the that was what was out at the time. And uh, Xbox was a whole other animal with Halo and all of those other things. You know, and then we get into the 2010s and kind of where we're at now to where video games have become a industry, have become a not only industry of selling video games, but an, uh, an industry of watching people play video games. Oh, and, sure. Uh, gamers being online with I, streams. I mean, and just, just, to, just to interject there, the, the, the video game industry by 2025 is estimated to be $300 billion. Yeah. Think about that number. It doesn't sound big, but think about the zeros included there. It's Hugh fucking Mungus. Well, and it's so interesting how it's changed because now, I mean, I I, I can kind of uh, fess up to this. Like, I more enjoy watching other people play video games than actually playing video games myself. Do you really now? Yeah. I it's I don't actually think about it. I find that I find that absolutely fascinating i get all the story without any of the uh hectic wildness of it um it it is interesting um i think that this is like a new phenomenon with twitch and all the other streaming services i think yeah like that that, that's i'm like i'm like what is going on in this world what is this but yeah, I mean that's and that's kind of how I I summed up kind of the 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 history of video games. I know it's not a, a lot, but you know, then we kind of move on to well, video games have been demonized since their uh creation, really. It kind of reached the height in 1993 when well, the I, actual I, I I think too Andrew, if you even like think back a little bit further, I I wonder how much the demonization of them follows off of like like think satanic about, panic and well yeah like like dungeons and dragons you know what mm-hmm. I mean? like any any sort of any sort of thing that takes the young people away from doing chores you know what i mean it's like instantly demonized that's what's wrong with america <laughs> yep exactly uh but in 1993 and in 1994 actually the members of the united states senate committees of government governmental affairs actually went after nintendo and sega mostly around the video games mortal kombat night trap and doom uh, i'm not f- not sure if you're familiar with night trap it's kind of a i can't remember night trap D- doom and uh, mortal kombat of course yeah night trap is an interesting one because the reason they went after night trap is because it utilized uh actual 
actors like there were actual actors like on the screen like huh. it was a it was a weird one it was where you basically you're watching a house through security cameras and you're trying to help the people inside by like taking down i, th- I want to say they were like burglar aliens or something um Bur- it's a Bur- weird it's a burglar weird movie. aliens w- yes. w- welcome to 90s video games but yeah they went after these games and actually what ended up happening as a result of going after these games is what we now know as the um esrb which is the entertainment software ratings sure, board. Yeah. um that's what kind of uh now just like movies it is a rated you know e for everyone i think there's like m for mature uh and things like that but yeah it just show, goes to show you that you know even government at some points have stepped in on video games and went after them. Uh, The Columbine High School Massacre in 1999 was actually partly blamed on video games from Bill Clinton at the time and his his presidential team. Uh, They they found that the Columbine shooters were a big fan of uh, GoldenEye 007, uh, as we previously mentioned, and they kind of started to equate that with uh, what, why they did what they did at Columbine. And if anybody's not, you know, too young to remember, you know, the Columbine was really the the first widely reported on uh, school massacre. Really, I know that there was ones before that, but that was the first one that really like, know, took I, off I, in the I, golden I, age of twenty four hour news yeah. coverage. I actually think that that's such an important point to make, right? Because, um, you know, we look, look, the, the, we are unabashed about being, you know, left and liberal on the show because that's, that's who we are, as are truly, I think, most horror fans. Um, but it's important to mention the administration that that happened under, which is Bill Clinton. Mm-hmm. And it was just one of the number of things that the Clintons got wrong about young people in this country. And you know, look, these are the these are the people who he had three strikes and you're outlaw. The people who like called like black kids like predators. I mean, this is this is what they were doing then. Instead of dealing with the actual issues surrounding kids and guns, they blamed it on a video game. Like, and still to this day, uh, I mean, Donald Trump blamed uh, the what was it? I think not Sandy Hook. It had to have been after Sandy Hook. Um, you, uh, uh, Florida. Um, was it Pulse? Marjorie Stoneman Douglas. Oh, oh Marjorie Stoneman. That's right. The, our first episode. Yeah. I can't even. That's so crazy to think about. I know. Um, I, I know. Uh, we were so hopeful that that was Parkland, going to do something. Park, uh, <laughs> uh, uh, Parkland, Florida. Yeah. Uh, even Donald Trump, uh, in the most you know his most recent presidency, blamed that massacre on video games and violent television. It's pathetic. Um, but you know there has been many studies around video games and violence in even the American Psychological Association, who is our utmost, uh, you know, kind of authority, voice on, authority. Uh, on these kind of issues. Yeah. It, they found that scant evidence has emerged that makes any casual or, or I'm sorry, any causal or correlation connection between violent video games and actually committing violent. Activities. Exactly. Right. Um, I mean, I think you have some some statistics on exactly how many people actually play video games. And when you look at the amount of those people in comparison to people that have committed violent I- violence, there's no correlation. So 
or maybe there's slight correlation, but not a, not according to well, the APA. Well, I don't well, know. It's it's it, a very it's, sensitive subject, really. Yeah. Well, it's it, it's not it's not correlation to to violence. It's it's correlation to other things, though. And I, I think th- this is the dark side of video games that we need to talk about. Um, it's it's that uh, you know is can can you be addicted to video games? The answer is yes. In the way that you can be addicted to any other digital thing that you're that you're with. I mean, I mean, it's it's not that hard to really like compute, right? We're, we're we live in an age where we are more connected than ever, mm-hmm. and we're we're constantly we, we even tell ourselves that we are addicted to our phones. We are addicted to uh, Twitter. Addicted to blah 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 blah. So you know, of course. If you are uh, putting yourself in front of a digital thing that you are attached to and that you are avoiding, um, that you might be using it to avoid other things in your life, yeah, that's that's called an addiction, my friend. Um, and there are some some really interesting statistics about video game and addiction. Um, for, first things first is thinking about just, you know, when, when we think about gamers, um, what does that community really look like? And I think it's actually, it's different than you might think. Um, First off, 64% of the U.S. population are gamers. That's big. It's bigger than I thought. It really is. I I thought it would be a lot lower. Um, But access is at an all-time high. So that's just (laughs) it. Exactly. Because if you think about gaming on your phone or gaming on your laptop or whatever, suddenly you bring in a whole sort of middle-aged component to this. That makes a lot of sense. Now, the average male male gamer is 33 years old. The average female gamer, 37 years old. Huh. That's interesting. Mm -hmm. I thought so, too. Now, males between the ages of 18 to 24, most at risk for gaming addiction, not really surprising to me, Um, 94% of males and 6% of females represent the gender breakdown for gaming addiction. So it's way more uh, more guys than ladies. Um, uh, The addiction sort of meets out racially in 69% white, 13% Asian, and 18% other ethnicities. Um, now that's so, interesting considering yeah. that the majority of what we understand as as you know pedestrian gamers that we are I would think that the Asian population would be a lot higher because a lot of the yeah. uh, programming and a lot of the games are made in Asian sure. countries. Not well uh, so so but but think about this this is just for addiction, right? Got so it. Okay. it is it is heavily weighted towards whites young men. That's where you're finding this. Now, what's interesting about that is where else do you find that that sort of like addictive um, demographic? You find it, we've talked about this before, you find it in the kids getting um, sort of uh, brought over to white supremacy. You find it in the kids getting brought over to this conspiracy theory or that conspiracy theory on YouTube. What are we getting at here? And I'm not saying that gamers are white supremacists, so nobody think that. What I'm trying to say is that you're you're getting to a um, to a, a developmental period for young men where their minds are the most malleable, right? Sure, their, yeah, their yeah. brains are ready to be influenced in so many ways, 
And if, if you give them an inch, they're going to take a mile. That's just, that's how the brain works then. Um, well, and considering that, I mean, look, let's just for a quick second before we go back to some of your, uh, the, uh, some of the addiction mm-hmm. stuff, just speaking of yeah. the malleable brain, let's look at the last five years of video games and what were the biggest titles of those last five years. So we think about 2017, the top three games were uh, Player Unknown's Battlegrounds, which uh-huh. is a uh, fight to the finish type of, of, of game, Call of Duty World War II, and Grand Theft Auto Five. 2018, FIFA topped the number one spot, followed by Red Dead Redemption and Call of Duty Black Ops. In 2019, Call of Duty Modern Warfare was number one, followed by NBA 2K20 and Madden FNL, uh, NFL uh, 20. And then finally, in 2020, uh, once again, Call of Duty Black Ops tops the number one spot, followed by Call of Duty Modern Warfare. My God. <laughs> and then followed by Animal Crossing, which is a very innocent little game. It's, it's, uh, and it's, then it's finally, not Call of Duty. And then finally, in 2021, uh, once again, the top of the charts are two Call of Duty games, Call of Duty Vanguard and Call of Duty Black Ops Cold War, followed by Madden NFL 22. But just think about my God when we are shaping... 18 to 24 year olds and in the last five years call of duty comes up seven times ah and what is call of duty about war war (laughs) war and violence my friend now look it may not give you a propensity towards violence it may not do that you're not going to go out and go shoot up a school after i'm not i'm not making that claim however it normalizes you to violence yeah, I, I would like to see, and I don't know the facts here, so don't 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 check me on this. But I would love to see if there was any correlation between um, the NRA and video games. Uh, I mean, uh, just but, interesting, <laughs> possibly. But I, I I think look exposure. Expo- look, the, the the games are fun. When I was a kid, I loved those games. I mean, if I had it on my Switch, I would love the game probably now too. You play that thing enough, it does normalize you a little bit more to to war and to violence. Um, it's not going to make you go out and do it, but yeah, it does sort of like train your brain. Like, oh, hey, this is kind of fun. I mean, like that, yeah. that's just the reality. There's actually a good article. I'll have to find it soon um, about like how like um, uh, I forget what the what the argument was exactly, but it was like, hey, look at all these Marvel movies and how like incredibly violent and like and like epic over a, a, like bringing up like a war kind of like motif over like a the span of a, a, the last decade and how that's like shaped people's brains when it comes mm-hmm. to war. It's something interesting to think about um, when when it comes to um, uh, the most addictive video games. Uh, there is a recovery center. Um, that that did a study on this, um, and these are the the five the five most addictive video games are Fortnite, um, League of Legends, uh, Call of Duty. Oh, the four, not the five. Pardon me. Call of Duty and Assassin's Creed. Now, I've never played any of these before. Have you? I have played Fortnite. Didn't understand it. Couldn't get my head around it. I, I don't. <laughs> so. I don't even know what it. What it is it like a? I don't. What is the game? 
it's it's essentially uh the hunger games the game like where you are battling down to number one essentially uh it's very complicated though because there are you know not only are you trying to switch between guns but you can also build walls and build structures and this is all in the span of literally i don't think a Fortnite game really goes for more than 30 minutes so it's so chaotic uh, I couldn't get behind. So it, it but... doesn't last for a fortnight, then. Okay, right. Got it. Just, <laughs> just checking that. Um, God, we also we sound so old right now, Andrew. It's ridiculous. It's okay. Um, Listen, now, we've paid our dues with the video right, games. Right now, well, when we think about what are some of the effects of video gaming addiction, um, there are some long-term negative effects that can happen. Uh, in the short term, though, individuals experience disruptions to their sleeping. Uh, They experience fatigue, sleepiness, and insomnia. They may also have a disruption in their eating habits. Leads to skipping meals, poor nutrition, and hunger. Um, It can lead to isolation, uh, missing out on socialization opportunities, a loss of friends, decreased social skills. There's an increased risk for seizures due to flashing uh, and the fast-paced images that are included in video games. Long-term effects may impair a person's academic career, uh, or their financial success. Um, hmm. Video games when it comes to co-occurring disorders. So if you already have a comorbidity, what does this look like? Um, when it comes to gaming and depression, um, the Recovery Center found that there's a significant correlation between video game addiction and depression. One study found that 9% of elementary and secondary school students classified as pathological gamers and were using video games as a coping strategy when already depressed and anxious. Individuals who are depressed may isolate themselves and attempt to escape from stressors with video games. Um, Gaming and anxiety. uh, Big link between uh, video games and those who have anxiety. Some people use video games, of course, to cope with stress and with anxiety. Um, Another correlation exists between video games and social anxiety, gaming uh, enabling uh, people with social anxiety to connect with others without having to physically interact with them. I think that's really important in the age of the multiplayer headset game kind of thing. Um, gaming and ADHD, ADHD and video game addiction have a connection. Uh, individuals with ADHD may play excessively due to poor time management and have the ability to hyper-focus on a video game. Um, and that tends to reward with brief spurts of attention. Uh, a study found that individuals with ADHD had elevated rates of compulsive and problematic video game usage. So lots of different, um, interactions with comorbidities there. You know, look, I, I I think as with anything, it's moderation. Um, you know, like I said earlier, I'm really lucky. You know, I, I used to really love video games, but I never found a compulsion with them, which is really good. Um, but I think it's something now, you know, I mean, look, I'm a nearly a 40-year-old guy. You're not too far behind, Andrew. Um, hey, now, hey, now. Well, you're not. And I think that, um, you know, with with kids, you know, we don't have kids. I don't, I don't think, I, I don't think you have any plans of having them. I know I don't. Um, it's something that if I did have kids, I would really be thinking about this. Like, damn, there's just so much out there. There's so much access to it. I got to limit how much access you have to this. Yeah. And I think that our parents didn't really understand that because it was so new. You know what I mean? Yeah, sure. Nobody knew that when Nintendo came out, 
that it was going to take over the world. Yeah, we had we had no idea. It was just it was just a fun. It was like it, was, it might as well have been a board game back then. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. For I mean, it's definitely an offshoot of that kind of gaming. Sure. Um, and I I, I don't think that anybody kind of saw what was going to happen and kind the of dark how future. it led. Well, it just it's insane how much uh video games in every shape way and form you know from our phones to our tvs have just gamification is now an industry like that's in 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 marketing terms that is taking something that it would regularly be selling in a traditional way and making a game out of it so that people interact with it and then become you know quote unquote addicted to it well it's it's, um, it's not even it's not even just in marketing i mean we we use gamification in management we use gamification everything. we use gamification yeah. literally in everything now because people love to compete and and i think that might be a little bit of what it comes down to is you know look humans there's something within us that we just need to compete. And humans got a human, you, you know. know <laughs> I, I I will say I'm not much of a person about competition. Like I just I actually find I find competition kind of like nauseating, <laughs> to be honest. Sometimes the I'm just older like, I get, the less I want. <laughs> yeah, it's just like okay, neat. I'm I'm really glad that you love to feel like you're better than everybody. Congratulations! Like how stupid it just—it's like it boggles my mind. Um, but I—I I think there is something innate in us that wants to do that, and I think that these things um, are are an outlet for that um, that id um, compulsion within us. Yeah, and I mean, I think that there is a a dark side to video games, but I also think that there is a really like positive thing about video games that you know people that do not have uh, the the social skills that they've adapted to quite yet in their lives that get some sort of interactivity between these games that they play with people online. I, I think that that can really be seen as both a hindrance and a help. Yeah. Um, just because, I mean, I, I grew up very, very nervous. I'm a very nervous person. I'm very, uh, I, I switched schools uh, for people that haven't heard this before. Between the uh, kindergarten to sixth grade, I went to six different elementary schools. So my social skills were not great. And I think that video games are kind of a link to people online sometimes that maybe some of those kids that don't have that uh, can can reach out to and maybe help them a little bit. I don't know. I'm just trying to give it a little bit more of a positive spin because I do think that there is like a light in this in this darkness of uh, kind of video games and how we look at them. But that's just my personal opinion. <laughs> um, I don't think you have to even qualify it, Andrew. Don't worry about it. It's just, look, look it's our podcast. Got it? <laughs> If people don't want to hear our personal opinions, they don't have to listen. Um, listen, Andrew, do you have anything else to say about video games? No, I love them. Let's move on. <laughs> Good. So listen, folks, we're going to take a break and come right back uh, with our next segment, which is What You Been Watching, Bitch. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. Welcome back, all you gaming bitches. It's time for What You Been Watching, Bitch. What You Been Watching, Bitch. So if you've never joined us before, this is the segment where we talk about what we've been watching. The bad, the good, and the ugly. Uh, so, Maddie, tell me, what have you 
been watching you little uh, bitch <laughs> yeah so i'll start with um i'll start with this one i'll start with uh pieces of her on netflix have you heard of this yet is this a tony collette thing it is a tony collette thing indeed i have um, not watched it yet but i've heard i believe uh one of one of our biggest fans and early listeners andrew hoekstra i believe this is the the series that he was working on um oh cool it was it was filmed in atlanta um so yeah it stars tony collette um and pretty much nobody else um, so so you know it's tony collette um so uh look it, listeners out there that follow me on twitter know that i am obsessed with tony collette and i and i'm still obsessed with her as um, most gays are but right fine. exactly <laughs> um this is a 10 episode series i think it's 10 episodes 10 episode series on netflix um it is about uh tony collette and i won't give away a whole lot here i gotta kind of be careful with this if you haven't watched it yet um Tony Collette is a mom. She has a daughter. Um, she has she has an ex husband. They live uh, in Belle Isle, which is not too far outside of Savannah in Georgia. Um, and um, something happens. It goes crazy, and it just goes wild from there. I won't give any more than that because if you haven't seen it yet, that, that, that will give too many spoilers. It, it's a it's a TV show that really relies on the twist. I'm guessing it, it, it really does. Yeah. Um, so look, what I will say about this is this: uh, I liked it. Um, I think that um, there some of the people that surround Tony in this aren't the best, and I think like the daughter could have been way better. And I think that this is a series that just goes on too long. Hmm. It's it's ten episodes when it should have been five. Would and it maybe have been better served as a as a movie? I I think it's too long for a movie. But I think ten episodes was way too long to stretch this motherfucker out. And look, it get it gets pretty complex. There's a lot you have to follow. It bounces back and forth in time. Um, you know, look, I I enjoyed it. I watched the whole thing. Um, but I was just kind of like, why is it so long? It does not have to. Be, it just doesn't <laughs> have to be this fucking long. It just. I'm sorry, but it doesn't. And there's so much that could have been cut out of this. And like so much developmental stuff and just so many complexities. I don't know. In the end, I give it like a 75% score, I would say. Okay. If you want to yeah, look yeah. It that way. I mean, what I think that if look, if you love Tony Collette, you should watch it. I think she's fantastic in it. And I think in the end, it's it's a good show, but it's just it's long. That's it. So pieces of her on Netflix. There you go. My first one, speaking of video games, is uh, the movie Free Guy. Uh, this is the Ryan Reynolds movie that came out during the pandemic, and it finally made its way to HBO Max. Uh, and we gave it a watch. If you like video games, you're probably going to love this movie. I mean, it's chocked full of video game references, and it's basically Ryan Reynolds lives in a video game. And he's <laughs> one of the plurbs, if you will. He's one of the uh, non-playable characters that kind of just does the same thing every day. He goes to the he goes to the bank. He works at the bank. The bank gets robbed every day. Oh, it's I like, see. Okay. But then he discovers that he has autonomy in this world that he didn't know that he had. And it kind of just goes from there. And it, it kind of plays yeah. with people that are playing the game and him being in the game. And it's this fantastical world that is video games. It was it was a lot of fun. I, I kind of go back and forth on Ryan Reynolds uh, in general. Um, just I, I think he's done some really funny stuff and really great stuff. But he's I also cute. He's, I also sometimes borderline annoying. But that's OK. Yeah, I get it. Um, uh, but he was really good in this. Um, he's super buff right now because of this movie. So it looks really great. Um, but the movie was a ton of fun. I, I It was just like turn your brain off 
uh, movie. So definitely check it out. If you have a chance to watch it on HBO Max, it's called Free Guy. Cool. My next one is called The Last Czars. Um, this is on Netflix. Um, this is from the same like like documentary company that does do- like they do like historical documentaries that like are like part part feature film and part documentary. If that makes okay. sense, so it's like it's like half of it is like scholars talking, half of it is like actors doing like the bits, right? Yeah, um, so it's kind of like uh, not fictionalized, but it's like uh, dra- dramatization. Yes, yeah. right, right. With 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 historical commentary. Um, so uh, I turn this on because of everything that's going on in Russia and Ukraine right now. Um, and I know very little about Russian history. I know a little bit, but not a lot. And um, this is uh, about the last czar. It's about Nicholas II. Um, and it, it was it was actually really interesting. You know, I I, I did learn a lot from it. Um, and is this a one part thing or like a multi part thing? It, it is a multi part. I think it's like uh, six or seven episodes. I'm pretty oh, sure. Jesus. I can't, I can't quite remember. <laughs> um, but I think in this case, there there is actually enough story that it actually did need that much time. Um, so, I mean, if, if you're into history, I think that you will like this kind of thing. Um, I think that the actors in it did a pretty good job. Um, and, you know, they tell the story of Tsar Nicholas II and his, his uh, wife, the Tsarina Alexandra. And really, how stupid they were. I mean, truly, <laughs> the most inept leader of, of all time, perhaps. Like, just absolutely fucking bonkers dumb. And and how their stupidity and their their belief in the divine right of of kings essentially um, just it just it just it, it was their downfall and it was the downfall of Russia for for many many years. The, if if you don't know the difference between like a king and a queen and then like the czar and czarina is that a czar was completely autocratic. So even in the early twentieth century, when Russia still had a czar, they ran the show. It wasn't just a figurehead. There was no parliament. There was nobody else making laws. It was just the czar saying, here's what you're going to do, and you're going to like it, and if you don't like it, fuck you, kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, it's, it's interesting to mm-hmm. learn about that, and it's interesting to sort of like learn the roots of like modern Russia. Um, I, I thought it was good. If, if, you, if you're interested in knowing more about like, you know, a little bit more about why Russia is the way that it is, I would recommend watching it. It's it's on Netflix. I think it's pretty good. Um, there there are other sort of series that are like this one. There's one called Ancient Rome. Duh, it's about ancient Rome. Uh, there's one about like the Ottoman Empire, like like that kind of shit. You know, um, the Ancient Rome one. It's it's pretty good. It's really long. The, I mean, talk about long. It's like thirty episodes. There's a ton of shit in that one. This one much more compact. So the Last Czars on Netflix. Cool. Um, I finally, because I I talked previously on this podcast about Nine Perfect Strangers, which was a compilation cast that was like a set on a remote uh, luxury vacation type of thing. And so I had put off watching White Lotus until now. Uh, Finally finished White Lotus. Uh, Gotta say, fantastic to watch. The wrap up sucks. Really? And sucks. Like, I don't know if for people that have watched it, I don't want to give anything away, but I just felt transparent. Yeah, it just I just felt like at the end of the day, nobody in the main cast that was supposed to learn something learned anything like they all they all went away being the same shitty people that they were 
when they got to this uh, resort. Well, at, so, at, at least it's realistic then. And honestly, I mean, yeah, I, yeah, I, 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 de- I definitely got that from this is like people don't actually change. But um, uh, it was it was a good watch. I mean, it's got some great cast in it. Um, Alexandria Daddario. Uh, the the guy from Joyride. I'm blanking on his name right now. Sure. You see his you see his full frontal, which is very strange. Oh wow! Um, but uh, it's just like a it's it's a stacked cast, and it was actually really good. Um, it was nice seeing the guy from um, Looking with the the guy from Oh sure the mustache guy he kind of like runs the resort that they are at in in the series Uh, so great cast great acting i just feel like at the end of the day i don't know what i was supposed to learn you know what i mean like i don't understand why i was supposed to care um but that's just me i don't know Uh, it felt empty modern life yeah uh my next one is severance on uh apple tv plus um, Severance is a show uh, that was created by Dan Erickson. It's directed by Ben Stiller and Aoife McArdle. Yes, Ben Stiller. Um, stars a lot of people. Um, Adam Scott is in this. John Turturro, Christopher Walken, Patricia Arquette. Um, and it is about, I think it's five episodes in. I just watched the latest uh, yesterday. I think it's five. Um, and it will probably be ten. Um, Severance is a very weird show. It is in the tradition, I would say, of like being John Malkovich adaptation. Oh God! <laughs> um, uh, uh, my favorite movie. What is it called? Duh! Uh, Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. Um, and it's a so it's kind a, of a mind fuck. Yeah, it's 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 and it's a TV series that is about um, a company called Lumen L U M O N, and the people that work there have a chip implanted in them that when they go to work. And they get on the elevator to go down. So they go down in the building. Um, Like geographically, the chip goes off. And their brain like sort of like turns on so that they are not the person that they are on the outside. They're the person that they are on the inside. So what that means is that their Audi, which is what they call it, their Audi is the person that lives the real life in the real world. So it's like belly button. <laughs> yep. The, the, the person, the person, their innie, the person that goes to work only lives that life. And they have no idea, no idea at all who their Audi is. They don't know what they do. They don't know what, where they live. They don't know what relationships they have. They only know stuff about work and that's it. Um, and there's no way to get out of it. It's crazy. Um, it's it's a really um, I, I, everything that I've seen so far. I, I think is really good. It's a dark show. This is not you're not watching the show for laughs. So just that's the way that it is. Um, Never mind I, that there are innies and outies. Right, right. <laughs> I mean, like there's like there's definitely like dark humor, but I, you you know what I mean. Um, I think it's really really good. I'm I'm anxious to see where it heads. Um, I think it's probably the best thing that I've watched on Apple TV Plus. I, I, I think it's really, really good. Um, and that's it. Yeah, I, I, I don't know where it's going to go yet because we're just we're not there. Um, but if you have not started watching Severance yet, I'd say give it a watch. I, I, I see some good things ahead for it for sure. I feel like we have to uh, appoint you as the Apple TV Plus correspondent and me as the Hulu correspondent. Yeah, now sure. Like, you, right. you can't get it, and I don't want it's Apple the TV. truth. But um, my next one is also on HBO Max. Um, this is probably the best show I've seen in a while. 
Um, it is called Somebody Somewhere. It stars the comic Bridget Everett. Um, she's kind of one of those actresses, like, once you see her, you're like, oh, her. Like, I, sure, know, I, know, sure, her. Sure. I know her. Um, but it's basically surrounding, we get dropped in her life when um, she has moved back to Oklahoma. She was taking care of her sister who died. Um, and she's essentially living in her sister's house uh, after she died and having to deal with uh, relationships that were strained with her sister sure her uh, her uh, her other sister i should say that's that's currently alive and her relationship with her uh mo- mother and father as they're aging and what they're going through and it's this show there's something so magical about this show because it's just so honest i mean it's just so there's no glory here. I don't know like what to well, how to how to like further explain it, but it's just told in such a way that I think only the Duplass brothers know how to do it. Um I really connect to why or I'm sorry, I really connect to the Duplass brothers in the way that they tell stories. There was a show a couple of years ago called Togetherness that I was a really big fan of that went for a couple seasons. Um and now we have somebody somewhere and I'm telling you that it just wrapped up. It was a 10 episode series. If you have not watched it, I highly encourage you go and give it a look because I do think that this is some of the most honest and straightforward storytelling that I've seen from a show like this in, in quite a while. So I, I really, really enjoyed it and I can't recommend it enough. My final one is the humans. Um, I actually saw this in the theater uh, but is this it the is Amy Schumer thing. It is, yeah. It's okay, it's, okay. it's it's streaming now on Netflix. That's good to know. Um, I wanted to see it. Highly recommend this film. I cannot recommend it to you enough. Um, it is it's 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 like a family drama. It, it's and it's pretty darkly funny. I would tell you that this film was a horror film, and not everyone will agree with me on that. But I don't give a fuck. This film is by the end of it, the, especially the final scene. I went. I won't give it. I won't give you anything away. Final scene is terrifying. Um, hmm. It's a. It's a sad movie. It is a movie filled with dread and filled with anxiety. It literally pulses off the fucking walls. Um, and at its heart, it's a story about family. Um, um, it stars Richard Jenkins, who is just a, such a fantastic actor. Amy Schumer is in it, and she does a great job. Stephen Yoon is in it. Absolutely wonderful. Jane, uh, uh, Jane uh, Houdichel and Be- Beanie Feldstein and, and June Squibb. Um, wonderful cast. Um, and it's sort of like um, just these generations of a family coming together uh, at, at the daughter's new apartment in Manhattan. And she is with her, her boyfriend, who is soon to become her fiancé, Stephen Yoon. Um, and the family comes in from um, from Pennsylvania to visit for Thanksgiving. And it's just about uh, this family figuring it out. Um, I, I, I can't give you much more than that. I, I just I think it's one of the most um, honest and raw things written. Um, it was a play ri- written by Stephen Karam, um, and it was a very, very popular play for uh, for a minute. Um, and I think that the film is just fantastic. The music in it is also truly wonderful. Um, give it a watch. Uh, it's, it's called the humans. Um, I, I think it's, I think it's worth it and keep, keep what I said in mind. It, it's, it's, it's actually a horror film. 
No, I think that you're valid there. I remember seeing this on people's, you know, top of the year horror movie lists last year. Yeah. So I I, I haven't seen it yet. I actually am really excited that you brought it up because I had kind of yeah. forgot about it. And um, I think that this was in theaters maybe when I was a little too nervous about going back to theaters. Sure. Right, right. Um, and I'm happy to see that it's like more widely available now. Definitely what, give it a shot. What I will tell you is this is, you know, like this is one kind of movie where like, look, you really don't want to be distracted during this. Like I, sure. I was in a, I was in a theater. So like I that's part of why I like going to the theater is that I don't have a choice. I I don't have everything else around me to distract me. I have to just like be in the movie theater. So do yourself a favor. If you're going to watch it, truly just put your phone away. Truly just like turn off the lights, sit on the couch, like enjoy yourself. You know what I mean? Like like bring yourself into that space to watch it. Awesome. I'll definitely, I definitely, I will report back because I definitely do want to watch the movie. Um, my next one also falls in that um, the less you know, the better uh, territory. It is called Fresh. It is on Hulu. Uh, once again, I'm I'm sorry, but Hulu is fucking knocking it out of the park with these uh, horror selections lately. Um, this is Sebastian Stan, who the Winter Soldier. Uh, he, uh, I don't want to give too much away. It's basically about this girl who is kind of fed up with the dating life and the apps and like doing all this stuff. And she meets this guy in a grocery store and he kind of sweeps her off her feet and he wants to take her on a vacation. And I'm not going to say anything more than that because the less you know about this movie, the better because Good. there is a really great, um, arc of the movie that if you don't see it coming it's kind of the best thing ever it's kind of got the the way the best way i would put it is it's kind of got promising young female vibes um in it okay uh it's that kind of a uh, kind of a story if i had to like give it any sort of qualification but um this movie's fucking great (laughs) like this is so good um it's so refreshing to see um good stuff on these streaming networks. I finally feel like we are out of the doldrums of um, the pandemic kind of slump that we saw where everything was kind of just bleh for a little while there. Um, And we're seeing some great stuff. And this is totally different for Sebastian Stan where we've kind of only seen him in these kind of like Marvel movies. Yeah, sure. We reviewed him on the uh, covenant. If you want to go back to uh, 20, I think 2018 is when we covered that movie. Um, But uh, he's really great in it. Um, Overall, I I don't want to say too much because I just think you need to go out there and check out fresh on Hulu. Awesome. Well, folks, uh, Andrew brought us free guy. On HBO Max, White Lotus also on HBO Max. Uh, I should have just done all three of these. Somebody, somebody, somewhere on HBO Max and Fresh on Hulu. And Maddie brought us The Last Czars on Netflix. Pieces of Her also available on Netflix. Severance available on Apple TV Plus and The Humans, which is now apparently on Netflix, which is awesome. Woo. So, folks, that is it for what you've been watching, bitch. We'll be right back with our next, uh, with our next segment, with our first film of the episode, which is Stay Alive. Play this new game, man. Yeah. Seriously, it was creepy. Hello? Stay alive? Never heard of it. Yeah, this could be nice. 
Sweet Sebastian Bach, I want to play. Miller, you signed in yet? I'm here. All right, let's boot it up. The name of this game is Stay Alive. We don't know much else other than we're not supposed to have it. Whoa. Did you guys feel that? Hell yeah. What's that? What's that? Damn it, man, she got me. Some, some, some woman, man. Hey, somebody out there? Miller, who are you talking to, man? You play the game too long. You know, you start seeing stuff. Hello? Miller died the same way he died in the game. This can't just be a coincidence. I think you're right. Serious man, listen to yourself. Don't you get it? If you die in the game, you die for real. Welcome back, everybody. It's time for horror in the movies. And we're talking today all about those uh, scary, scary video games. And our first game movie tonight is Stay Alive. Maddie, tell us all about this movie. You die in the game. You die for real. After the mysterious, brutal death of an old friend, a group of teenagers find themselves in possession of Stay Alive, an ultra-realistic 3D video game based on the spine-chilling true story of a 17th-century noblewoman known as the Blood Countess. Except it's not, but that's fine. We'll get get there. (laughs) The gamers don't know anything about the game other than they're not supposed to have it, and they're dying. To play it. Stay Alive is written and directed by William Brent Bell. It was also written by Matthew Peterman. Uh, produced by Hollywood Pictures. It was their first film in five years when they did this movie. Did you uh, notice that it was a Stay Alive production? <laughs> I did. Oh, I, I did. It, the, for, the first and only uh, production. Um, distributed by Buena Vista. Hutch was played by John Foster. Abigail played by uh, Samir Armstrong. Swink played by Frankie, Frankie Muniz. Phineas played by Jimmy Simpson. October played by Sophia Bush. Miller, played by Adam Goldberg. Detective Thibodeau, played by Wendell Pierce, who does nothing but play policeman in every (laughs) film he does. And Loomis was played by Milo Ventimiglia. Uh, Rated PG-13, actually. Um, 85 minutes long. Thank God. Uh, Made in the USA, uh, in and around New Orleans, Louisiana. Uh, Released March 24th, 2006. Budget of seven the gross on this motherfucker, $27.3 million. Yeah, and historically, one of the only Ugh. horror movies brought to us by Disney. Yeah, they fucked up on that. Um, so, Andrew, tell, tell me about your experience with Stay Alive. Are you staying alive? Uh, I think I'm just surviving, but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I saw this movie in the theater and that was the last time I saw it, uh, until the, the, the watch for this episode. This, this was a first watch for me. I've never seen it before. Um, this movie is interesting. Uh, I think mm-hmm. that they, on paper, this sounds like it'd be kind of a fucking fun movie, like just goofy and, you know, the, the video game's coming to kill us and it's crazy and everything. But like the, the execution of this movie is just so dumb. Oh, it's slap, so dumb. Slapdash. <laughs> slapdash. Slap 
Um, there is just no energy in this movie. It feels like everyone except for, I would say, Sophia Bush is, I don't know. They're just not doing anything. Like there's no, there's no reactions in this movie apart from October, who, like I said, is Sophia Bush, who I think is probably the outstanding person in the movie. If I'm going to give it to anybody. And that's saying a lot. Yeah. And, um, I don't know. There's just. There's really weird things about this movie. So the the premise of the movie is that this video game is based on Elizabeth Bathory. And the audacity that this movie brings to that you wouldn't know who Elizabeth Bathory was. Like, yeah, we like, all know who she is. Like, yeah, why are like you trying also, to make this a Louisiana story? <laughs> right. All, all the kids that, that were going to watch this movie all had the game Nightmare at their house where Elizabeth Bathory is one of the characters. Like, we, I had we, that game. That's fine. Yeah, exactly. Like, we we, uh, we knew who she was, bitch. We knew yeah, it. I did. It just was so weird that they, why didn't you just make up a person? Just make they, it up. Like, they could have they done anything. They could have done a slaveholder. They could have done a plantation house. I mean, it's it's New Orleans, right? Right. Instead, you choose a countess that was actually from Romania. Got it. Perfect. But um, I mean, overall, the movie just lacked energy for me. I felt like every time somebody died, it was like we moved on immediately. Like there was no... There was no weight to any of the characters. Uh, there was also specifically uh, there was the one character Phineas, who is uh, um, October's Jesus. brother. Jesus, take the wheel. Yeah, he's 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 very annoying character. But when he dies, they literally the cops just come pick him up and leave them leave all the kids there just to like okay I don't know reminisce. I don't, let's like, just let's just stop there because this is actually a major point in the film, right? Yeah. There are a number of extraordinary deaths that no one seems to clock. Right? Exactly. Right. Like, right. do they even do they even report Sophia Bush being yeah. slit on her throat? Like, right. I mean, like, like right from the very beginning, the the the, the movie starts with uh, this kid named Loomis who lives at this weird house for suburban house. Yeah. But like he lives there with other people. It, it, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Like, I mean, like are, are these kids in college? Are they, are they in school? Is that why he's living there? It, it, it never goes deep enough to tell you anything. Like if, if we had known at least, Oh, these kids are all in college. They're at Tulane. And he's in like off campus housing. That's why he lives in this weird townhouse that like a college kid might live in with like some random dude who's fucking his girlfriend. And at the same time, while he's with a pig mask on, with a pig (laughs) mask on that never gets explained either. But do do you see what I mean? It's it's those simple underlying story points that never, ever get explained. And so the the basic premise is this Loomis, played by Milo Ventimiglia, who's actually kind of cute in this movie. Um, oh, I I was like, uh, can you stick around for a little? I longer, know please? I felt the same way. Um, so he's playing this video game. He um like finishes video playing. game tester. Yeah, and like it freaks him out, and he calls his buddy Hutch, and Hutch is like supposed to come over, but he can't come over right now. So he's gonna come over like tomorrow. And I I even wrote down what he said. He said we're gonna like play it solid. We'll 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 burn it solid is what he said. <laughs> While they um, were on their cordless phones having this conversation. So that conversation ends. Loomis is thirsty. So, of course, he goes down to the kitchen to, to get a glass get a, of milk. Get, get, get a glass of milk because that's what young people do, right? Um, makes oh, the milk. Absolutely. It just, it just makes no sense. Who would actually do that? Anyways, 
he does that and he thinks he hears something and oh surprise it's actually the fucking like killer from the game come to kill him in real life blah 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 blah. he goes upstairs the he roommate dies the same way that well, he died well, in the game but, yeah. but before that the roommate and the roommate's girlfriend they're not just killed they are ripped apart hellraiser style yeah so uh, w- w- th- this is what i mean that happens. They're like up on chains and hooks, like literally like Pinhead was just there. The kid Loomis is hanging off of a chain that he would have no possible way of getting onto. There's no way. And so though these three extraordinary deaths happen and the funeral is happening two days later because Hutch attends it and it's like nobody mentions a word about the extraordinary nature of these deaths. Well, and the the fact later that they go back to the house and that room is still not cleaned uh, up, like it's still blood yeah. everywhere and everything. I um, mean, that that's just the start of, you know, you mentioned it before, no energy, no no reactions. It's just the start of this like movie that these filmmakers started started to make and we're like, "Well, guess we'll just figure it out as we go because it doesn't make any sense." And it just goes on from there. And like, look, I, I might be a little more forgiving to a film if it didn't make $27.3 million. Yeah. But it but it did. So I'm going to rip this motherfucker apart. Um, everyone's acting in this fucking sucks. I uh, mean, mostly Abigail. Oh, Abigail my God. So she is... I don't know what acting school she went to, but girl, uh, girl. I'm so, okay. so sorry to that can actress, we, but you are uh, not great. <laughs> yeah, can, can we just zip forward to the end uh, or near the end where she's given the rose to like protect herself against? So what know, does she do with it? She does. She plays. He loves me. He loves me not. And keep in mind, this uh, the whole premise of the rose is meant to you throw it at the <laughs> the weirdest uh, <sighs> thing that they come up with is that you throw a rose to protect yourself against Elizabeth Bathory uh, in the game. So then that starts to bleed into real life. You know, as the movie goes on, this kind of starts to like, but bitch, what's real? What's if in the, you, what's in the game? Yeah, if you take the petals off the rose, the rose don't work. Exactly. So this bitch is sitting there waiting for a murderous ghost demon to come kill her what does a bitch do but take off the petals of the rose to play he loves me he loves me not when that happened i i almost jump kicked my television like i thought <laughs> i thought about doing some street fighter shit on my television keep and in mind these people the have known each other for approximately three days oh so. my god it was it was absolutely bonkers stupid now let's talk about when frankie muniz comes on in the fucking block so of course they they have to get like all the cliches of gamers they possibly can so who do they get little tiny skinny weird frankie muniz who rocks up to the apartment wearing an upside down green visor and speaking like he is the video game nerd of the century i uh, andrew I, the 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 depravity of the people who wrote this movie, <laughs> like the utter depravity. Like we are talking about war and shit. I'm talking about this was war on my senses. It was war on my ears. 
Well, yeah. And more even, on my brain. Even when they try to uh, sound smart about Ugh. video games, because they, they, they do um, uh, drop a few names. Of, they, they, they drop Fatal Frame. Silent Hill. Uh, Silent Hill 4. But the weirdest thing about that that they do, and I, I don't pretend to be an expert on any of these things. I have played some of the Silent Hill games. There is no, in no world, would there ever be a weapon called a hyper blaster in a Silent Hill girl? Like, girl. it doesn't even make sense. Um, I clocked that Hutch was washing solo cups, like and he was doing dishes. <sighs> yeah, I, there's just so it, this movie is mind baffling how I mean, it, it got made and how it. It, it like, may well have been. It, it may as well have been a, a, a high school play. That yeah. that's how this read. It read like you're going to see your nephew in fucking like fucking uh, death of a salesman at the local high school. Like that's what you're watching here. And look, look if, if if the people that made this movie ever listen to this episode, I want you to hear me. You should be ashamed of yourselves for what you've done. I did like the video game part, though. That was that that, that was I mean, the, fun. Video, the video game is fine. Now, look, what I did write in my notes was this, Andrew. I wrote, um, when does Hutch get naked? And then he gets shirtless for a second. Well, yes, he does. And I said, now here's what I wrote down: more shirtless Hutch. It's what this movie needs. It, it needed. It needed more of because look, he's not a bad looking guy. His I thought his I thought his his face looked kind of dumb, but <laughs> it, when it, well, it did. But in general, see, you know, look, listen, we are a funny podcast sometimes. In general, when he had his his shirt off, which wasn't that long. Um, that was when I was interested. Yeah, th- th- this this there's just so many weird tropes in this movie that they play. I mean, Phineas is kind of the really annoying guy. Oh, oh and, um, and also the progenitor of gay jokes in the movie. Yeah, the movie yeah, I noticed that too. I was like, oh, your 2006 is showing. Um, <laughs> um, uh huh. Um, there was just there's just so much weird in this movie. Like, so we're led to believe that this. Uh, this woman that uh, is not a countess in 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 Europe, but uh, a owner of a <sighs> women's school or a little a, a girls' school, a finishing school in Louisiana, where she killed a number of girls. That's like kind of what we're what we're meant to understand. Um, I thought it was so interesting that they called her weapon a a joined twin blades. I'm like, oh, you mean scissors? You literally mean scissors, right? Like it just. Uh, there's so many things in this movie. Um, we learn that Hutch, uh, his dad set his house on fire when he was a kid because he thought his mom was cheating on him. Uh, there's just, there's so much depth without having any depth at all. If that oh makes any sense. It's, it's, it, well, I, th- I think what you mean is that it's just shallow, right? It's, it's, it's like, it's like calling the day before tomorrow yesterday. Um, I really would be interested to know because in our fun facts we did know that this movie was actually a little around a hundred minutes and in its first uh go around and it actually they actually deleted an entire character from oh, the movie good um i guess that in the original cut they were supposed to actually go to the developer's uh, house and kind of meet that and understand because this is the weirdest part about this movie is so this ancient uh 1920s or 30s or whatever when she was around her way of coming back is that she programmed a video game (laughs) like 
I just I find it hilarious to think about Elizabeth Bathory programmer. Like you know what I mean? Let's well, just say I mean the, it never gets explained why 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 does why any of this even exist? exist yeah. in the first place? It's just it's 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 lud- it's it's ludicrous. It makes I thought it was funny no- that they the, the the product placement in this and how Alienware, which was yep. a very popular gaming computer back in the early two thousands, kind of gets uh, a spotlight in this movie. So I'm like, well, they definitely invested in this movie. So <laughs> I mean, I, I will say that there's one part where where even the characters call out the, that the rules don't make any sense. There's one part where Frankie Muniz is like, "Bitch, that's not the rules. I'm still I'm still alive," or something like that. I was like, oh, so you are admitting that the rules of this movie make no sense. Well, Maddie, um, as they say, the game's playing itself. Oh, wow. Well, that, that's that's a deus ex machina, is it? Speaking and then of we get this weird, at the very end, we get this weird dump of that Abigail lied about her entire life and she lives in the van that she's driving around. It's lives, just... Lives in a van down by the river, in the words of... It's just of, so uh, much without being anything <laughs> also at the end i thought that frankie muniz was dead and all of a sudden he comes walking out hand in hand with these people well i, I think i that, literally thought he was dead well i think that what they, they, they're kind of pulling the 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 sham over your eyes because he actually falls into a uh pile of wild roses so <sighs> Jesus that's why he's Christ. still alive get gag um, me like literally gag me with a rose if i ever have to watch this piece of shit again um, I will say I would like to play this game. It looks like fun. Um, but that's really the only thing that kind of uh, was any lasting uh, thing for me in this. There's a weird part where we learn that if you nail her in, because our resident uh, Wiccan, October, who just knows everything, um, she knew about the rose, she knew about the nails, but then when she gets confronted with the ghost of uh, Elizabeth Bathory, she has a nail gun and shoots her with it and nothing happens. Oh, it so, doesn't, it doesn't work. I know. How crazy so. that the rules don't work. Also, she sees the ghost and what does she do? She goes into the house where the ghost I know. is. I fucking know. Now, oh, look, dear. Entertainment <laughs> Weekly originally gave us a D minus rating. Um, I think it's, a, I think that's generous. Um, the director's cut, however, which there is a director's cut, if you wanna, if you really wanna chop off your dick, um, it got a respectable C plus rating. So apparently, the director's cut adds something good to it. Um, also, I mentioned earlier that uh, Elizabeth Bathory was Romanian. It's actually Hungary. I was wrong. Um, look, Andrew, we 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 could shoot this horse a couple more times in the head, but do you really want to? Uh, I just wanted to mention that this was also produced by Mick G. So, oh, um, okay. I saw that in the credits, which I thought was interesting because we now know Mick G as kind of the Charlie's Angels, then Babysitter era. Yeah. Uh, so we know he's capable of doing some great things. This is just not one of them, unfortunately. <sighs> um, I think that. I don't know. It's hard to recommend this movie because it's just kind of a pile of garbage. I I flat out don't recommend it. Like I I think it's a bad movie. And like, once again, if this had been a little independent movie that like didn't make a lot of money and didn't spend a lot of money, fine, but it didn't, it, it, it made $27 million. That's a lot of fucking money. And so like, even still, you know, 15, 17 years on, however much longer, how much time it's been, um, you get to you get to live forever with your sin, and now I've given it four more dollars. So. There, me too. <laughs> Our podcast give it eight bucks. So there you go, Andrew. <laughs> what is your takeaway from Stay Alive? 
So here at Friday the 13th, we rate on a seven stripe scale for the seven stripes of that gay old rainbow. Um, my main takeaway, this just feels like an idea that never really takes off. It's actually a really great concept, but it just kind of feels like a weird husk of a film. And I said it's overly complicated, full of nothing but gamer cliches, and it's boring. If you haven't seen it, don't. And what's funny about this film, it doesn't happen very often, but Andrew and I both gave it the same score, which yeah, is we... three out of seven. So, so not great. It's been a while since we've, um, I feel like it's been a while since we've been this harsh on a movie. Um, well, whatever. But it was not Listen, great. I, I, I'm sure there are some listeners right now going, yep, fuck yeah, I agree with you on that. And then I'm sure there's some out there that are like, what are you talking about? This is the greatest movie ever made. That's what makes opinions exactly. so interesting. We will anyway. We'll pray for you. That brings us to the end of our discussion on Stay Alive. Now, we have just talked about a movie that involves a video game. What if now we talk about a movie that was made about a video game? Ooh, we'll be right back. With Silent Hill. Honey, sometimes when you go to sleep, you go on a little walk. And sometimes you talk about a place. I don't remember. That's why we're gonna go there. So you can remember. What's going on here? This place is completely cut off. Only the dark one opens and closes the door to Silent Hill. Hey! Where is she? I'm trying to find my wife. She looks exactly like Sharon. Why? Rose, come on! Rose, hurry! It's coming! Face the darkness of hell. It's okay, baby. Mommy's coming. <laughs> Don't stay silent. That was whatever. Andrew, tell us about Silent Hill, would you? <laughs> We've been expecting you. In a search for answers, a mother travels to the enigmatic town of Silent Hill when her daughter begins to suffer from reoccurring nightmares related to the place. It doesn't take long for her to discover it's home to beings as equally haunting as the town itself. This was directed by Christoph Gans, written by Roger Avery. Production company was TriStar, distributed by Focus Features. Rose is played by Rada Mitchell. Christopher is played by Sean Bean. Sharon and Alessa are both played by Jodel Furland. 
Sybil is played by Lori Holden. Christabella is played by Alice Krieg. And Dahlia is played by Deborah Kara Unger. Rated R, this comes in at 125 minutes. Made in Canada, in and around Toronto, Winnipeg, Ontario, and Manitoba. It was released on April 21st of 2006. So yes, accidentally, we chose two movies from the same year. (laughs) But that's just how it happened. Um, And really budget, we couldn't find the the totals. But I, I know that this was a runaway hit because there was a sequel um so yeah silent hill maddie first time second time when when was the last time you visited silent hill also i just want to say i actually forgot to update the budget information and i have that right now the budget for it was 50 million the gross was a hundred point six million. So, so, yeah. so <laughs> huge, huge success. <laughs> absolutely fucking huge. This movie was. Um, it was my first watch of this. Um, oh, awesome. I didn't know that. Yeah, it was. Um, yeah, you know, Silent Hill. Look, I, I think that the movie is um for the most part good. Um, I, I also think that this is a movie for people who are fans of the game or people that have played the game. Um, I, 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 I've never played Silent Hill. I don't really know what it's about. I, I remember it being out, of course. I remember like kind of lore around it, but I never touched it. Uh, never played it. Um, at least as far as I know, I didn't. Um, so I, I think that the movie is, there are some really, um, disturbing scenes, some really harrowing, um, deaths and, and moments. Um, you know, I'm, I'm, thinking about the very end for example where oh, Christabella yeah. gets torn apart by like some fucking crazy barbed wire shit. Oh you mean like the, the Carrie sequence? <laughs> yeah I mean it's it's crazy I mean like you know thinking of Hellraiser like in the last movie there's a lot of Hellraiser in this movie actually um, so you know I think there's a lot of that, that that's really good. I think that where the movie doesn't work for me is that it's it's sort of a collection of scenes instead of a big story and like the story plays out, but I, 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 once again, I feel like it's sort of just like built to like bring the video game to life. And that's not as somebody who, who didn't know the video game, it didn't really work for me. Um, I also think that one of the, the problems with the movie is that it's, it's just fucking long. Like it's a, it's a long movie and it's, it's, it's two hours and five minutes, which like, I know it's not that long, but damn, if it don't feel that way. Um, I, I, there was one about an hour and a half in, uh, which is, I wrote this down. That's where an hour and a half in is. Where are you? Oh, where is it? I can't find it. An hour and a half in, something was, oh, it's it's the learn the truth moment. Like where she like kind of like goes into like a flashback kind of thing. And like the kid yeah, like shows where she her, learns like, about Alessa. And like, I just was like, wait a minute, how long have we been in this movie? And I touched my remote to get it. And I was like, oh my God, there's like another 35 minutes. I'm like, what else could happen in this movie? So, you know, for me, like, I'm just getting the big stuff out of the way. Like, that's the thing for me. I was like, oh, you just could have been so much better if you were shorter. That, that That's how I feel about it. Yeah, I do think. Um, so, so as someone, I played the first two Silent Hill games. Um, I will say that they do borrow from the game in some of the um, enemies and that, like, the overall aesthetic of the town. But it's kind of its own story. Okay. Um, it does borrow from some of the games, but uh, I can't remember if it's Silent Hill or Silent Hill 2 uh, revolves around a man that killed his wife. And this is kind of his. Oh, wow. Uh, retribution. For, Purgatory kind of thing. Yeah, exactly. Um, so it kind of borrows from a little, a little bit of the, of the first two games. But um, I, I think overall for me. This watch actually made me come up on the movie. Okay. Um, I kind of remembered it just being 
I don't know. I just kind of remembered it just kind of being a movie. You know what I mean? Like I didn't really think anything of it otherwise. Like if I was going to rate it without us kind of like talking about it and without like giving it a rewatch, I probably would have gave it a 3.5, like just an average movie. Um, This time around though, I thought this movie was actually really striking. Um, Okay. I think the atmosphere is like, they build it up so much. Um, I'm so glad that they, the, the atmosphere is fantastic. I'm so glad that they, um, in the initial shot of when she first gets to Silent Hill and they're kind of doing this like, th- um, what do you call it? Like a 360 around her to kind of show sure. you where she is. You can definitely tell it's CGI. And I'm really glad that they, beyond that point, it was an actual town that they filmed in because Brantford that was taking, that was taking me out of it for a second. Yeah. Um, I will say some of the CGI has not aged very well. Um, it's kind of a little more, um, I don't know, it's a little dodgy in some yeah, places, sure. but I kind of forgive it because this is like early 2000s or like mid 2000s. Um, I just felt like, so there are a couple things that I think they could have cleaned up. Um, I think that her search for Sharon takes way too fucking long. Like she's so, so long running around <laughs> Silent Hill yelling about Sharon for God, it's got to be like 25 minutes. Um, and I think what that's meant to do is introduce you to all the different areas of the town, but it just feels like, I don't know. It, it feels like fan service or it feels a little, just like you said, it's just, there's too much. Um, well, yeah. And, and I, I think in like, you know, if you were in the theater, it might be a different story, but like once again, in the age of like, you're watching shit at home, which I mean, this is made in 2006. Of course, you're watching it at home now. I mean, like, you you just all of a sudden you're like oh oh wait i got distracted because this is going on and on and on you know yeah um i will say though the 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 latter half of the movie it does get you um it finally settles into itself and sure. it it has like a very actually a very um I don't know how I feel about the very end, but the whole Carrie scene where Alessa comes up and finally takes out all these people that killed her was very satisfying. (laughs) Um, I think that there's some cool uh, lore in this movie, not only about kind of Alessa and Sharon and the town and what happened to her, but also the town of Silent Hill and how it's kind of still on fire underneath uh, because of all the coal. There's a very famous town in Pennsylvania that this actually is a place like where there's still a fire burning under the town because there's so much coal underneath of it. Um, so I thought that that was really good. Um, I, the deaths are fucking harrowing. Um, yeah. I, I distinctly remember, and I think her name's Anna. Um, she gets her skin torn off yeah. by the, the, the guy with the tri they call him triangle head in the, in the video game. Um, I think there's some good lines in here, especially delivered by Alice Krieg and Deborah Kara Unger as kind of the sisters of, um, the, the, the parish. Um, I think that they're kind of standouts. I thought that she does a really great job when she kind of um, is talking about uh, Alessa and she, you know, her line is into the fire. She swallowed their hate, Yeah, which I was just like, wow, that's actually like really poignant for like a weird video game movie that we're watching right now. Um, there's also uh, the foes of the righteous will be condemned. Uh, there's just like, there's so much like religious uh, kind Overtones. of packed into this that I really appreciated this time watching it. Um, I don't know. I think that this movie actually is better than I remembered. Uh, and I think it's wonderfully shot. 
Um, like I said, apart from some, some dodgy CGI, the atmosphere when you're in Silent Hill, you feel it. Um, one thing I will say is I don't know why Sean Bean is in this movie and why his character yeah. exists because it doesn't do anything in the overall movie. Um, it just gives you a little bit more information on where um, Alessa slash Sharon came from, but not really anything that gives it any weight in the actual movie. Um, I just think he's kind of just there. I don't know. I don't know how you felt about that kind of like side well, character. I, so I, I think that casting Sean Bean in 2006 is just, uh, I don't know. I, I think it's a weird choice. I'm, I'm trying to remember the the exact timeline of all the Lord of the Rings movies. Um, but it's, it's certainly not too far out of them. Like when, when was the last Lord of the Rings? When did the last one Don't come ask out? me. <laughs> um, well, can I find that really quick? And then the only reason why I wonder is because when was that? That was looking at a thing. 2003 was, was the last okay. one. So that's only three years out of the biggest movie franchise that had been created up until that point. Huge, huge amounts of money spent on, on that, on that film franchise the I mean, it made not just millions it made billions billions in in the box office absolutely huge and sean bean was a an integral part of that so it's it's if you know look i i, I find it kind of hard to believe that most people that were watching seven hill were didn't see lord of the rings at some point and sean bean playing boromir is such a huge part of that i, I i'm only saying that to take you back to the mindset of back then right and like it's just, why would you cast Sean Bean? Like, the first thing you think of when you think of Sean Bean back then was, oh, that's a guy that played Boromir. Like, you might not think that now, but it's also 16 years on. So put yourself back 16 years. It's a very odd casting choice. Um, well, and and just that character overall, he just doesn't really have any effect on the movie. He doesn't do anything. <laughs> he does fucking nothing. And, like, look, if you're an American, you might not feel the same way. Uh, I should say, if you're a European, you might not feel the same way. An American would think Boromir. Europeans might have seen Sean Bean in a lot more stuff because he's just in a lot more stuff. Um, I don't know. I, I just I think it's a weird choice. I, I think it's a really big actor to suddenly include as this do nothing character and when when he is used on the screen it doesn't it's sort of to no effect anyway like when he goes to like the he goes to some like gas station to like see if his wife had gone through and it's just, i don't know I, I i think that that whole part of it is kind of useless to be honest yeah i thought that all the creatures were super creepy in this movie um even the <laughs> it was so funny i don't know if you remember but um there's towards the end of the movie, there is a uh, gaggle of nurses that are all kind of like scantily clad. Yes. Yeah. And Michael goes, are those Bob Fosse dancers? Oh, my <laughs> God. Kind of so, like... I, I wrote the same. I, I didn't write the exact same <laughs> thing, but I wrote something down in here. I was like, are these monsters or is this a dance troupe? Yeah. <laughs> so I thought that that was funny because they kind of dance like very Bob Fosse. Exactly. Right. Um, they're. <sighs> I, I think that where this movie succeeds is I think that it's very chilling when we go into kind of the dark world. I, yeah. I distinctly remember when the first kind of uh, horn goes off in this city. It's very, um, what do you, what would you call that? Like tornado sirens yeah, type of thing. Basically. Sure. It's very chilling um, and you don't know what's happening. And then all of a sudden you're forced into this like world of depravity, which I thought that they actually, when they showed kind of the shift between the two worlds, I thought that that was done really well. Um, um, and I thought that the, just like the story of this poor girl that everyone thought was awful for no reason. Um, and they burn her at, the, at the fucking, 
not at the stake, but on a like a grill essentially. Um, but she survives, and I was like, "Oh fuck off! That is awful." <laughs> yeah, that was um, that, that 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 was pretty harrowing. Yeah, and um, all of those scenes, it, I thought it was really funny. I don't know if you got this at all, but every time that they did kind of a flashback, there was a a score that would play, and it reminded me of Candyman. I don't know if you really got. No, I get that. Yeah, I get that. Sort of, sort of like a. Um, dun dun. I, I'm dun, not dun. sure. Like when I think about Candyman, I think about dun dun dun. But well, like, it kind of had little, that, though. The little plinking sound, I can't think of what that would really be, but it's like it's almost like a little kid's piano kind of thing. Um, but that, I think that's what the movie does really well, is the atmosphere and kind of like leaving you in Silent Hill. Um, I don't think I really understand the end, if I'm being totally honest. I don't, um, I, don't I mean, I'll be totally honest. I don't, I don't know it at all. <laughs> it, didn't, it didn't make any sense to me. I, I cracked up a little bit when she first sees uh, Alessa and finally like get like, cause she's fucking chasing her for half the movie. But when she finally sees her and like goes up to her and she goes, look at me, I'm burning. And I kind of oh cracked God. up at that point. <laughs> I, 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 I think that's another thing like where, where the movie suffers a little bit too, to be honest, is that like there, there are lines like that that are built to be creepy. You know what I mean? Like they're, they're not built to be funny. We know that for sure. They're built to be like, Oh, that's a creepy thing for a kid to say. Right. But mm-hmm. like they don't necessarily stand the test of time, do they? Yeah. And so there, and the the film sort of wants it wants to be like it wants to have the religious overtones that you were talking about earlier. It wants to feel like this is there's they're saying ancient things and it's coded and that kind of stuff. Unfortunately, some of it reads as a little bit as cheesy. I think for the most part it works. But like the in that case, like the kid saying, "Look at me, I'm burning." It's a little. I mean, it doesn't. I think in 2006 it was scary. Now I'm like, that's actually just kind of funny now. Well, I mean, and there are certain Not lines that I that... think burning kids are funny, okay? <laughs> no, there are certain lines that um, I think would work if they only, if they just like left it alone. Like there is yeah, a sure. line in the movie that I think the first person to say it is Lori Holden, who plays the, uh, I'm just going to retcon it right now, the lesbian cop, because I do yeah. think that she's a lesbian. Do you know? Do you know who they wanted to play that role, by the way? Who? Cameron Diaz. No, Lori Holden is much better. Can, can you imagine if that had been the case? Um, but she says it very on in the very early on in the movie. She says, "Mother is God in the eyes of a child," and the way that she says it, it really works. But they say it like three more times in the movie, and you're like, "We get it, we get it." Well, and you you know where that line comes from, right? I don't actually. From the crow. Oh, really? the crow, mother and a uh, Brandon Brandon Lee's character, the crow. I don't know why I just said that, but the, the, the crow says um, when he's talking. I forget the the character's name, but the, the there's a, there's a woman who there's the mother who's doing heroin. He grabs her arm and squeezes the heroin out, and then he looks at her and he says, "Mother is the name for God on the lips of children." Oh wow! I it's been so long since I saw the crow. That might be something we need to work we into our schedule. Have to get the crow in into this shit because I fucking love the crow. Revenge is terrifying. Yeah, um, we could talk about our own. <laughs> yeah. we'll, we'll right. our own. Keep going. Keep going. Um, I, I, there, you know, there's another good line in here. Now is the end of days, and I am the reaper. There's some good stuff in here. Yeah, I sure. Just, um, <clears throat> I actually think if this wasn't based on a video game, it may have gotten a bit uh, scarier and a bit more attention. Sure. 
Um, just because it's you don't have to rely on paying off the fan service. You can kind of just tell a story. I, um, I think that I think you hit the nail on the head right there, Andrew. That's it. I, I, I and I, I think it goes back to what I was saying is that like this feels more to me like like a collection of scenes. Than sure, a, I get than that. A true yeah. cohesive story. Um, the 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 one that disturbed me the most was the um, the guy in the bathroom. I don't know if you remember him or not. Where she has to take uh the little thing out of his mouth, but then yeah, when it sure. turns into the dark world, he kind of like comes out and he's uh I don't know how to explain this, but he's bent backwards in the wrong way. And he kind of crawls on the ground and he does this thing with his tongue that is just so disturbing. So <laughs> and gross. later on, we find out that this is actually a janitor that I think we're led to believe molested um, Alessa Ooh. at some point. Um, that's kind of like what we and then I don't know. There's a lot packed into this movie. And that's why I think maybe they did too much. Um, I'm talking mostly about uh, there's even a cop that is introduced later on who has scars on his hands. And later we find out that's because he tore the shackles off of her burning body. There's just like a lot in this movie <laughs> um, that I think they could have maybe trimmed up a little bit. But overall, I still really enjoyed it. Like I said, let's talk a little bit about the ending because I want to try to sure. maybe dissect what is going on because at the end of the movie we have the uh epic scene where alessa rises up still on her uh, her deathbed and tears apart every one of those motherfuckers that burned her and it is so satisfying and we are left with uh sharon who's the what we're led to believe is the good part of alessa that is left um because she was essentially split when she was in so much she had so much hate inside of her and this demon came and basically said I can help you if you just let me in. And the demon took over and she was kind of split into her hate and her goodness. Sharon being the goodness, Alessa being the hate uh, with the demon. Um, and at the end of the movie, we're, I think, led to believe that the demon goes back into Sharon. Um, and then they go off, but they're still in like a silent hill reality reality uh, but they're back at home but sean bean is also at home and can't see them they can't see him and then it just ends and i yeah i don't know if i wasn't if my brain can't quite get there but i don't really understand the ending i'm wondering if you have any thoughts about kind of where this ends up i mean no i mean that's that's just it i i, I think that they're just in two different realms and i don't know if it's because they just went to silent hill in the first place like if you go there you can't really come back maybe that's it um i think the other the, the other thing too and I, I don't mean this in a flippant way is that i don't know if i really care you know what i mean it's like ah, once again it's it just feels like another scene to me so it's it's like it's it's one more serial scene in this serial film um and it's creepy but I, uh, I don't I don't know the reason why and and I, seen, I, I don't really get I've, it. I've seen the sequel. I do not remember it because I think it was real. I think it was actually really bad. Sure. Um, but I don't know if they pay it off in that movie or not. I do not remember. I mean, it's possible. So if any of our listeners have any insight onto kind of the overall meaning of the end here, I would love to hear from you because um, I just didn't quite understand the very end of this film. But yeah. overall, still really enjoyed Silent Hill. It was wonderful kind of going back. My final takeaway on this was it's creepy it's atmospheric and yeah maybe it's a little long but after it all it really met, went and met me uh, left me wanting to really revisit silent hill 
And for me, I said, you know, look, it's just, it's really long. And while I'm sure the players of the game really loved it, uh, the film for me was just one long exercise in making a video game a movie. And so for me, it felt a little bit like a slog in nearly every scene. Um, that said, you know, I don't think it was nearly, nearly as bad as Stay Alive because that no. is, <laughs> oh, it's bad. And I shouldn't even say it's bad because I, I think that Seven Hills is just a fine movie. Now, I gave it just a, an average three and a half, mostly just because of the length. Andrew, what'd you give it? I gave it, I was borderline a five, but ultimately I ended up at a 4.5, but still that's like a better than average. So I, I think seems that's like fair a fair score. Seems like an honest rating, Andrew. So yeah, that um, brings us to the end of our discussion on Silent Hill. What did you think of Silent Hill? Let us know on social media. You can find us at Frag813. Uh, we will take our final break and we'll be right back to close out the show where we are going to slice left, slice right on some of your favorite video game characters are you looking for okay early to bed early to rise makes a woman healthy wealthy and wise that's why you're wiser than me it's steven hi i'm maurice i'm an executive by day and a wild man by night hi my name's monroe uh, you've probably already noticed that I have incredibly blue eyes. And folks, we are back to close out the show. And like we always do, we have a silly little final game for you. And this one is called Slice Left, Slice Right. It's just like Tinder, only not. Um, so, Andrew, <laughs> let's do it. Um, so, uh, thinking about... Um, well, why don't you run this game? Sure. So, thinking about video games... It got us thinking about all of these hunky uh, men in all of these video games. Yeah. Which, listen, we've talked about it before. Some yeah. cartoons are just sexy. It's fine. Whatever. It is what it is. <laughs> so I have chosen four distinct characters from four distinct uh video game franchises and we are going to say whether we would slice left, which is which one, Manny again? Uh, slice left is is no. And slice or slice right, which means yes, you know, yeah, we go on a date with them, sure. Yes. So I've I've given in our little notes section here, I've given you some images um, to to kind of take a look because I know that you're not as big of a gamer as maybe some of our listeners and maybe even okay. me. I'm not sure, but uh, I gave you four distinct characters. We're going to start with Chris Redfield, who is the uh, the first heroine along with Jill Valentine in the original Resident Evil series. Okay. Chris Redfield, he's a, a stars a police member. What do you think? Are you slicing left or slicing right? Uh, I'm slicing left on this man. Um, I like to be the daddy. I like to be the one in control. This looks like he would want to do that, so I need to slice left on him. Control me all day, daddy. Slice right. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. <laughs> um, I don't know. There's just something uh, about the confidence and uh, the hunkiness of Chris Redfield that I would definitely slice right. Our next uh, applicant for your dating profile is none other than Link from Zelda. Slice right all day. Absolutely. I knew Link. you'd oh, twinkie yeah. boy it up. Link, Link is the twink that I've been looking for. Um, in whatever the one is called on Switch, I can't remember the name of the, of the game. Um, he's actually kind of real sexy in that game. I, I can't explain it, but yeah, I'm slicing right on Link. Uh, I'll slice left. He's a little too 
scrawny for me, if you know what my, I mean. My, my favorite kind. Now, the next one, Andrew, I'll tell you this one, is none other than Wario. Yep, yeah. you heard it. Wario Arch from nemesis. Mario. <laughs> now, are you going to slice left or slice right? Uh, I will slice left. Sorry, Oh, Wario. I thought you might say right on Wario. No, he's his voice. Have you heard his voice? Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's, not, but it's a Wario. <laughs> But no, I will slice left on the Wario wagon. Yeah, I'm also slicing left. He is not my type at all, folks. He's kind of the uh, more bear daddy type. So. Yeah, which is, look, it's fine. It's just not my type. Yeah. And finally, from the Uncharted series, Nathan Drake, who was just uh, fictionalized in a movie. I have not seen Uncharted yet, but it was uh, he was played by none other than Tom Holland, who apparently that's the only actor in uh, Hollywood right now because he's literally in everything. <laughs> so, oh but um, I, I, I'm going to slice right just because Tom Holland played him. Um, I love me some Tom Holland, as you might imagine. And um, I will slice right. I will slice right on the video game character. I don't really have anything for Tom Holland. Ugh. But that's just, it's nothing against him. I think he's actually a really Love charming, him. Really Love charming him. individual. I just, I think it doesn't so do anything cute. for me. <laughs> he's so cute. And folks, that brings us to the end of episode 73. Crazy episode 73. Um, some housekeeping stuff as always. We want to remind you that we are a uh, a show on the Dread Podcast Network. You can find a lot of other wonderful, incredible, amazing podcasts on Dread Podcast Network. So please do go and give that a um, explore the other options available to you because they're all so good. You want to get in touch with us? Yes, it, tell us. You can on the Friday hotline by calling 872-208-3119. Leave us a little message, uh, whether that's a review of the show or something we fucked up or like whatever you want. Just no, call no, in. No, we don't <laughs> fuck anything up, Andrew. I think that you know that. Now, also... Uh, if you want to support Friday the 13th, you can very easily. You can become a patron of the show or you can buy merchandise if you go to our website at frygay13.com slash support. Speaking of patrons, we have a new one. Uh, our new patron is Lennon. Thank Woo! you so much, Lennon. Thanks, Lennon. Yay! Becoming a patron and putting your money where your mouth is. So yeah. we really appreciate that. I know that we are... Not the greatest at the whole Patreon thing. So it does make us feel really good when we get new patrons and they're doing it from the bottom of their heart just because they're wanting to support the show. So you that's love us. really fucking you awesome. You really love us. Um, also, too, folks, if you have not done it yet, we would really appreciate it if you would go and leave a review for us. We just got a few reviews in this last week, actually, which was really cool to see. Um, so, yeah, just look. And anywhere that you can leave one, awesome. If, if you... Use Apple Podcasts. I, th I think sometimes it's even more valuable there. So if you if you haven't yet, rock over there, smash those five stars, leave a little review, smash it. <laughs> tell tell people why you like us and why you listen uh, to every episode, um, and that really does go a long way in getting new uh, listeners in. And you know, as always, here at Friday the Thirteenth Horror Podcast, we encourage you to get slayed.
Thank you for listening to the Dread Podcast Network.